Welcome to Intrepid Heroes, the actual play podcast of the Devastation Arc Adventure Path from Paizo. I'm Ron, your GM. And I'm Scott. I'm playing Raz, the Skittermander Envoy. I'm Stephanie. I am playing Koholo. She is a Karasha Lashunta Solarian. I'm John. I'm playing Leroy, a Dragonkin Vanguard. I'm Rob. I'm playing Zero, a Halfling Operative. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm playing Dr. Ammon26, a android biohacker. Hi, I'm Eleanor, and I am playing Simon, a probably human mystic. And now, on with the episode. And welcome back, everybody. Ooh, boy. Uh, last time, we finished up the Waking the World Seed adventure, uh, volume one of three in the Devastation Arc, and we're about to kick right off into the Starstone Blockade, adventure number two of the Devastation Arc, uh, right. written by the the illustrious Eleanor Farron. Um, <laughs> oh, ooh. yay. So Woo! if Eleanor suddenly oh. offers to search a, uh, one part for a secret door or something, you know I'm she's got some gonna, inside I'm just going to stand in the back and not do anything. <laughs> so you're, Good metagaming. That sounds you, like the whole thing is a trap then. Oh, you are needed to do stuff initially. Um, the the group of you have come back after you have rescued the entire planetoid of Hib and all the banters that are on it from overheating because, whoops, their planet is actually a spaceship. Um, and in fact, their planet that is actually a spaceship has been calling some other spaceship using a homing beacon and... Gosh, it probably isn't going to be good when that ship arrives, but there's a little bit of downtime in between to both figure out what's been going on uh, on the World Seed, the ship that the moon of Hib is around, and what might be coming next. Um, and you, But you know your time is limited. And in mm -hmm. fact, your time is up when uh, Esafina Knot of Abadar Corp summons the group of you to Absalom Station. Uh, she wants you to meet at the Golden Vault, which is Abadar Corp's head office in Absalom Station. And of course, Simon, this is where you work a lot of the time, so of course you know the way <laughs> Subsidiary. there. Subsidiary. <laughs> some, when you've got to go to the, like the check-in at the home office for something, or they've got like a some sort of all-hands meeting, the subsidiary's like, all right, we'll go meet in the Golden Vault. Hey, uh, Ron? It's, it's the big gold building that has Abdar on it. Yeah. <laughs> Ron? Yes. Uh, before we jumped into that, I, I had a thing I wanted to do. Is it, uh, is it okay to do that? Or are we, uh, sure. No, very, absolutely. You've got a little another, bit of downtime. A little bit of downtime? Yeah, I want, within our downtime, okay. um, I, I wanted to do a thing. What's um, that? Well, uh, Dr. Ammon is in his quarters. And uh, after studying for a few hours, he uh, goes to his cabinet, pulls out uh, the bottle of fine liquor that he received from Esafina Knott uh, on Jeterat, grabs a couple of glasses, goes out the door of his quarters, down the corridor, a couple of doors, and rings the chime of Simon's quarters. Just out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I guess that starships just pilot themselves most of the time, or they do. You can kind of set in a heading, and you don't need to make a check. You make a check when you're doing initial navigation or in the middle of a fight. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Otherwise, your so... pilot would be exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Spice yeah. must flow. Ice cream and espresso beans. Uh, you know, so I guess will be in his Normal quarters. ships have people driving them all the time. They manage. I don't. You have watches. People rotate. Shifts. You know. Yeah. I presume. I don't know. I just, uh, I know that otherwise pilots would groan every time you rolled 5d6 to see how many days you're heading out into the vast. <laughs> you rolled the upper 20s and the pilot's like, oh my goodness. I don't yeah. even have a trained constitution. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yes, there's some serious uh, ladder fusion. No, this is why we have AIs, right? What good is artificial intelligence if they can't pilot? Artificial stupidity. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so so Simon will answer the door. Mm -hmm. um, still kind of dressed up in business clothing. Apparently, he doesn't have casual mode on this starship. Fair enough. Um, just sort of very subtly raises eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Clearly, wasn't expecting visitors. And fair. And just sort of. Uh, like like sort of a half bow, half nod of acknowledgement. Can we go in your inside? Or sure. May I come uh, in? He'll he'll step away from the, mm -hmm. the door just to offer a path in. Okay. Uh, may I pour you a drink? You you see him sit down and there's like mm -hmm. gears turning behind his head. And, and eventually, like, the business side wins out, and he just says thank you, and okay. uh, lets you put the glasses on the table and pour it out. Mm-hmm. All right. I, uh, I read somewhere once that a man will tell his bartender what he won't tell his doctor. <laughs> and uh, I want to find out something that you won't tell your doctor. I wouldn't know from personal experience. <laughs> he just, he picks up the glass anyway and just sort of like makes a toast-like gesture at Dr. Amon. Okay. You see him sip it like very, not a lot. <laughs> Clearly he didn't drink quite a lot in that uh, sip and then put it down on the table. That's fair. Dr. Amon will sip as well. Um... And he, he arranges himself in sort of a, a faux casual uh, position. He, he's not very good at it, quite frankly. Uh, and it probably doesn't look quite right. But um, <laughs> then he leads off with, so how long have you been passing, you know, as human? That's a philosophical question I don't entirely know how to answer. All right. But I suppose you could say since I was a teenager. Mm hmm. Um, and uh, so, since I, we agree that you're not actually human, what, uh, what are you? Sounds like a personal question. It is. Simon's just very silent for a second. Hmm. 
I do believe that every <laughs> sapient creature has a right to privacy. It's true. And I haven't attempted to intrude upon it until now. Um, but I would like to know if you're... I, I would like to know. I would like to know who's, who's with me, who's, who's beside me as we go into some of these things. Does my species matter when it comes to that? It matters that you're hiding something. Uh, Simon just sort of like uh, picks up the glass just as like something to do mm -hmm. and, and sort of like turns it around in his fingers. Uh, people have a lot of reasons to keep their topics private and they have a right to do so without assumptions of guilt, but not assuming any guilt. I would just like to be able to know that the people beside me are being honest. Ron, I see that chart in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hold on, Dr. Ammon. Apparently, I need to rewrite my entire character. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Raz doesn't get away with rolling a D1. <laughs> he, puts, he puts the glass down on the table. It's like, very mm -hmm. well, for your own comfort, I suppose. I don't have anything to hide in that regard, but I'm honest with you when saying that I am not human. Mm -hmm. What exactly do you want to know beyond that? <sighs> well, I would like to. I would like to know what kind of species I would be dealing with if I needed to treat you for some affliction. It would it's definitely make a difference as far as how I would craft a treatment. It's an interesting question. I suppose you could call me a planar scion, but you know, if this were Pathfinder 2, I'd still be human. Um, <laughs> <laughs> most of us whether or not we're human or not is a mystical or religious debate that I don't have a personal interest in. I've never much interested, been interested in those sorts of debates either. Um, I'm a man of science and I'm interested in facts. So that's really where I'm going with this. Is uh, what? What are the facts here? Um, Simon just kind of like bows his head and closes his eyes, and you see like this complete golden halo light up behind his head. But as that happens, these slits appear on his face as well, and they open up into just a ton of golden eyes. Wow. 
look at Dr. Ammon. Uh-huh. And he says in sort of a voice that kind of echoes wrong, like it sounds like there's more than one of him talking. He's like, uh-huh. this is the real me. Ask your questions. <sighs> wow. Um, very well. I... Uh... The halo, is this, this some sort of a, a celestial presence that I'm seeing? I believe so. All right. Um, and is this through your parentage? Or... <laughs> I, I don't. I'm, I, maybe I don't even know what to what to ask. This is a bit outside of my usual purview. It's outside of mine as well. My okay. mother and father are human. If that's mm -hmm. what you're asking, it is indeed. That's some of why I hide it. All right. Okay. Well, um, are you, since we have some honesty now between us, is it all right for me to gain medical information about you? You've uh, refused my scans in the past. Very well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it will help me to to better serve the group. Yes. That's why I agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as anything else, I am perfectly happy allowing you to continue to have your privacy. Um, I won't say anything about this until you deem it wise to do so. Yes, you won't. <laughs> All right, then. Um, I apologize for the inconvenience and the uh, discomfort our conversation may have caused you. You see the, the like the the eyes just close again mm -hmm. and sort of just fade back into their normal skin. And Simon just takes the drink that you poured him and knocks it back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I'll I'll drink as well. Yeah, and he says a toast to. Hey, physician patient confidentiality. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll I'll drink to that. Alrighty. All right, if there's And and meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile Raz yeah. <laughs> Sometime later, Dr. Ammon's pager goes off. Uh-huh. Communicator. Uh hey, Dr. Ammon, you your 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 patient is uh is awake now and ready to see it wants to see you oh all right i'll be there right away 
So uh, you come in and see mm -hmm. Raz laying in a recovery room. Doctor okay. Hammond, good yes. to see you again. So it went well, didn't it? The surgery. Um, it, it seems to have absolutely. And he he kind of leans forward, and you yeah. see. Well, he's laying on his stomach, and you see on uh -huh. his back these wings that have been attached to his sort of his arms and flowing out of his back, and uh, very, very like a royal blue in color. Um, they fold up fairly compactly, but he sort of flutters them out. He's like, I'm going to be a dragon. <laughs> And if anybody has uh, knows some of Raz's backstory, his uh -huh. uh, his theme is is basically based on dragons. He is fascinated with them, mm -hmm. um, which is why he was hoping that maybe you know Simon was a dragon in disguise. You know, right? Um, so yes, he's so far only been able to afford the Strix variety, but uh, eventually <laughs> he might there's, move up. There's, there's still wings. There's still wings, so yes, you have a winged Skinnermander on your hands now. Nice. Okay. <laughs> do do they work? They they do. They're clumsy, but it's a forty foot fly speed. Um. And yeah, they. I mean, I can't hover with them or anything, but they certainly give you a fly speed. So the dragon, awesome. the draconic nature started in your voice, right? You've always had this draconic presence and majesty in your voice when you're scaring people and now yep. it's manifesting physically as well yep <laughs> that's pretty wonderful awesome awesome i i can teach you how to use those little buddy if you need well see, that's the other thing it's like he's he's now had somebody that's joined uh, mm. that has wings and he's like yeah yeah no that's super cool i want to be able to do that all right <laughs> Oh, that's a increasingly inhuman presence aboard the people <laughs> on the uh, on the ship. Uh, I will say now I have to commission more art. So, you know, there's that. But... <laughs> that's right. Just like Photoshop, like these tiny little yeah. feathered wings on. <laughs> little, little fairy wings. <laughs> it's like flitting about. Uh, or take nice. the uh, the great image we have of the group and take uh, Leroy's wings, shrink them down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> swap them, uh, swap them over to there. So yeah, so he recovers, and once he's recovered, the rest of the party kind of gets to see Raz coming in with his wings unfurled. All right, congratulations. Sweet. Whatever, I can fly without the work <laughs> I mean, I still have a jetpack because you know, right? I think old, there's because old habits die hard. Well, there's limitations on on it as well. So I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I do too. I'm, I'm less likely to inflict limitations on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he did have to have his like his armor sort of redone so that it could still be used with it. Anyhow, so that's uh, that's very rather fancy. Thing. All right, very fancy. Yeah, very cool. Lots of revelations here. Anyone else? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, 
just you know, a revelatory. Clearly, I've I. Uh, <laughs> We're all just gonna time. sit at the cafeteria table and stare at Koholo. <laughs> <laughs> so, into Koholo manifest as some sort of other creature. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> I mean, she just she'll just blow up and explode in like three. Hours. I mean, other other than embodying the power of stars and black holes, maybe do something cooler. You know, <laughs> run of the mill Solarian. I mean, come on, yeah, right? You know, <sighs> all right. Telepathic communication Alrighty. just isn't enough for you people. Huh? <laughs> Starfinder now. <laughs> Well, that was that was cool and unexpected. Cool, yeah, right. awesome, very. Alrighty, very well fun. then, I will introduce Ms. Knot as you Thank ask you. Nod. Ms. Knot's worried face appears on your view screen. I'm glad mm -hmm. you've arrived safely. Now we get to wonder if uh, what's happening was somehow started by our expeditions into Jedirat's ruins, or if we just stumbled across something bigger than us. I suspect we won't like the answer, no matter what it ends up being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You may have heard the news already, but just to make sure we're all on the same page, a huge ship has shown up in Pact World space, and all our protections show it moving directly towards Absalom Station. Oh boy. Everything we've sent out to make contact with the vessel has been destroyed. None of them stood even a ghost of a chance. Miss Knott presses her lips into a frown. This station isn't like the Adari, which is the ship the Kasafas uh, uh, are on. Um, it's a big generation ship that Kasafas have. It's in mm -hmm. orbit around the sun. Uh, this ship isn't like the Adari. It never had the capacity to move out of the way. If this ship is hostile and everything suggests that it is, I don't know where that leaves us. I don't know where that leaves the Pact Worlds. It probably won't surprise you to hear that the Pact Council Directorate has convened to discuss the issue. I'd like you to speak to them on what you've learned. Don't worry, I'll take care of all the particulars, political, legal, whatever you need. You're the people with the most knowledge in the system about whatever is approaching us, even yeah. if that information isn't much. And I think the directorate needs to be as informed as they possibly can be. And I'm not the only one either. I just got a call from a priest of Elora too. I have no idea how she got my personal line, claiming that she saw you in one of her divinations. She insisted that the group of you have crucial knowledge about the approaching threat. I didn't ask much after that. I found when it comes to Eloratu, the deity of mysteries, asking questions only gets you more questions in response. <laughs> it's not as though she asked me to do anything I wasn't planning to do already. I know some of you might have had other motives in accepting my first contract on Jedirat and my second one that followed thereafter. If you need any further motivation now, you can name a price and Abadar Corp will pay it as soon as a as soon as the station is safe again. This isn't just about responsibility or public safety. This is very personal. For those of us whose ancestors came from Galarian, that is, those of us who aren't strange alien or dragon monsters, this is hey. all... Hey! <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Excuse I'm not me? trying. <laughs> she does all right. <clears throat> Let me back up. She says, for, the, for those of us whose ancestors came from Galarian, this is all that's left of our home. And we want to protect it. Okay. Um. I make a mental note to uh, speak to the PR department about knowing your audience. <laughs> so now really the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's a mental note. I don't bring it up. So if you come up to my office here in the Golden Vault, uh, I'd like you to meet this uh, this priest. 
who might have some more information about uh, what she's seen in her visions. Sure. That seems like a good idea. Yeah, Let's do it. It really does. That's totally, totally cool with me. Tell her to divine all the equipment that we need for the upcoming adventure path. I have a yep. piece of paper and she can start writing. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a, I mean, if you got, you know, she did offer the you to name your price. So she did. Pretty yeah, yeah. Much. I noted that. Oh, yeah, let's write that down, by the way. <laughs> so if Ms. Not meets your... Mr. Right, did they like mutually annihilate? Not right. Not right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sadly, they tie the knot, nice. and then she doesn't get away. <laughs> I guess so. Do they tie the right knot? <laughs> Alrighty. So, so you can we, head we'll up go to uh, Miss Knot's office. Mm -hmm. um, and she's got, uh, you know, secretaries and undersecretaries who uh, usher you in. Uh, and the person that they invite you in to meet... Um, is sitting in a sleek hover chair, uh, wearing a slender three-piece black suit that sparkles with distant stars around the sleeves, uh, light blue scarf framing her face, and light gray gloves covering her hands. Uh, Ms. Knott like introduces her as Cambrisa June. And she's the other image that I have here for you. Um... She says, "Ah, I am. Uh, I am. I am pleased to meet you." Uh, she she says, "If you if you could help me make sure that I'm connecting the right way here." She describes a symbol, and she makes some motions with her hands in the air as she's describing a shape. And it doesn't take any of you long to realize she's describing the shape that you guys saw in the bridge of the world seed that was floating mm -hmm. above the center console. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. This is Elora two has many mysteries and those many mysteries involve some shapes in Elora two's very holy symbol. Some of them are known to us. Some of them are not known to us. And this symbol is one of the ones that has not been known to us until it showed up in the uh, in the world seed and the recordings that the group of you had in going in there. Mm hmm. Well, yes, yeah, that's, that's that's the symbol we saw. That's somehow symbolic of something. Well, <laughs> if on praying on it, I realized that there is a uh, uh, there are some truths to be had that connect the group of you to what's going on here at Absalom Station's past, present, and and its future. Uh, let me let me introduce myself. I, I'm the high priest of the hidden truth. Uh, I am the archmage of the circle of the substantial stone. Um, if you're not indoctrinated into the mysteries of Alora too, I can I can say that I speak on behalf of of uh, not just many members of our faith, but uh, on nearly all of them on Absalom Station. Um, uh, most of what I know about this uh this this strange visitor this strange and hostile visitor that has come to the packed worlds um is unknown uh i know people tend to tire quickly of me talking about what is unknown but the gap is as persistent as ever and a lot of our studies on the the starstone only prove how unique it is 
It is a beacon, you know. No matter how far you get into the vast, you can always come back quickly to the star stone at the heart of Absalom Station. Mm -hmm. It's never before dragged in anything nearly so big or as dangerous as this, but it seems pretty clear that this visitor is angling directly toward the star stone in that it's angling directly towards Absalom Station. So not Um, towards Hib? Not towards Hib. It's heading here. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, And it's heading here because of its unique place as a drift beacon across all of known space. Okay. Um, I am going... I have asked for uh, the opportunity to speak to the Pact Council, that is to speak to the, the, the Directorate, um, that represents uh, the entirety of civilization in the Pact Worlds. And I know that uh, Ms. Knott has arranged for you to have that meeting as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to let you know that I was going to be coming with you to speak with those dignitaries. Got a little background on on each of them. Uh, and I'm happy oh. to to assist if you have any questions while we're in meeting with them. But the important questions that they're going to have are, where does this ship come from? What brought it here? And what do we do? All right. Uh, it is a different building in Absalom Station, uh, the Planara, in order to go meet with the... It's, it's in a, a room called the Star Chamber. That's the, the where the leaders of all the Pact Worlds meet. Uh, so there's a little bit of like travel time getting over. Mm-hmm. And in that time, Cambrisa is happy to talk to you about any other questions you have or any concerns you might have. Uh, what can you tell us about the people we're going to be meeting? Well, the there are uh, I believe there were there six. She doesn't mm-hmm. fumble with the uh, the number. There there are six directors of the uh, the Pact Council. Um, there's going to be seven people there, um, because the leader of Absalom Station, mm-hmm. uh, the prime executive is the top government official on Absalom Station. Uh, Kumara Melacruz is her name. She's, she's there as well. Absalom Station has a little bit of an unusual position in that it, uh, it's, it's the seat of authority of the Pact Worlds. And it's a member of the Pact Worlds, but it doesn't have the full voting council rights of the Pact World. There are a number of, of areas that don't. Nevertheless, because this is where the Pact Council meets, the prime executive of Absalom Station uh, is a, a uh, significant one of mm-hmm. their number. Uh, you should treat Washington her... DC of the pack. <laughs> it is. It is the Washington kind of, DC yeah. of the pack worlds. She is the, you know, the equivalent of the governor of Washington DC. Mm-hmm. Um, the others are going to be representatives of various, uh, worlds, uh, and various factions within the, uh, the pack worlds. So there's a representative, um, uh, let me see one, two, three, four, five, six, excuse me. There are five representatives. The sixth is actually the Director General of the Stewards, which is the Pact Worldwide Law Enforcement Organization. Mm. Um, So in addition to the Director General uh, and uh, Lynn Camulin, who is the the, uh, the, the Director General of the Stewards, 
And at this, he kind of gives, I mean, he gives a little bit of a nod towards Koholo. Um, and explains that oh. he is a, uh, he's a Karasha Lishunta. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, uh, representatives from, uh, from Eox, the, the planet of the dead. Uh, there's a representative from Castravel. Uh-huh. Um, there's a representative of, from the Idari, the Kasatha generation ship. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, a representative from Triaxis. Hmm. Uh, and a, uh, a representative of Verses. Uh, the planet that's tidally locked into a light side and a dark side. Hmm. Um, but these seven people are the ones uh-huh. that, uh, they're ones you're going to be able to, uh, to get a sense of what it is they want to know and help them. And so, the thick magnetic doors open to reveal room overlooking the entirety of Absalom Station's eye, the green mm. expanse of Jatembe Park, ringing the station's most exclusive and prestigious buildings. A semicircle of chairs and desks sits up, up, opposite the wall-spanning windows, each seat pointed at a triangular digital display that sits in the center of the room. The members of the directorate turn in their seats as you come in. And let me show you the seven of them and their names. Uh Aha. All right. You should be able to see now. Yes. Um, Gevalarsk Nor, the one who sort of looks like a grinning corpse, is the I'm ambassador from, from Eox. Eox, yes. <laughs> um, the Shirin, uh, mm-hmm. who is heavily modified with uh, a lot of uh, uh, cyber augmentations, mm-hmm. is the representative from Verses. Verses, okay. Um, Kumara Kumara Cruz is the uh, the prime executive of Absalom Station, uh-huh. and Lynn Camula next to her, got the characteristic little head toggly things of Lashuntas, is the director yeah. general of the stewards. Stewards, yeah. Um, okay. You could tell. You could tell uh, if not from his appearance, you could tell even by his pose because he's the one who's standing. He's sitting with sort of stiff military formality. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. It is. It is difficult to tell. It's difficult. For people who aren't elves to give a sense to look at an elf and get a sense of their age. But you can tell by looking at Losafarin, the elf, that he is extremely old, even for an elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the representative from Castrovel. Uh the Kasatha representative from the Adari, um Milgan Navaris Kachal Andar, uh, who, who goes by Andar. Um, mm-hmm. is here, and as is a winterborn Rhyforian uh, named Zia Cho. Uh, I think I dropped the I in their name. Zia Cho. Um, but these are the people who turn and look at you, and there are a couple of other uh, people, you know, clerks and, and uh, other assistants. They handle all of the uh, introductions uh, for the group of you. Do you have any way in particular you'd like to have yourself introduced to the leaders of all the Pact Worlds? 
That's maybe, a great maybe, question. Maybe we'll go. Uh, yeah. The uh, Dr. Ammon, how do you want to be introduced to the leaders of all the Pact Worlds? Um, Dr. Ammon 26 will do just fine. Alrighty. Raz? Uh, let's go full name. Razzleberry Tasselfoot. And uh, Rob, zero. Uh, zero bound friend and fixer to Altagos. And Leroy? Uh, I'm Altagos, the protector of zero bound and others. All right. Excellent. And plainly the biggest person in the room. Mm. Uh, Kaholo. I am Kaholo of Castravel. Alrighty. And Simon. Uh, he pronounces his name strangely this time. E. Sun One, attorney at law. Esquire? <laughs> attorney at law and Esquire. Alrighty. Um, and as the group of you come in, and Cambrisa and, and uh, uh, Cambrisa, Joe, and Nesfina Knot are introduced as well. And uh, the first person to speak is uh, Gevalars Gnor, who who says you've got some you got some background for us. What can you tell us about this ship? Just out of character, we've got a live stream if they want to see it. Well, right now, no, it is not. Right now, this is this is direct. This is directorate business. So Mm. they're they're, a lot of their meetings are public. This one is not. So I'm. uh, I honestly am not sure what we know about this ship. It seems like it received the signal. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's actually the best answer. You don't know anything about this ship other than it must be called Ark Ark Prime. Prime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it may have been part of a civ colonization or um, a conquest plan. Well, the moon of Hib is part of this same civ dominion, is that right? Correct. But this ship is larger even than a moon. True. Uh, and we don't know its purpose. Hmm. Well, we can tell you from what we've seen so far, uh, says Gevalarsk, the same same guy, its purpose is entirely hostile. Uh, when it came into the system, it jettisoned an afterward piece of its hull as it passed the system's gas giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, this secondary section is uh, going to enter a similar orbit as Hib around Leavara. So it's big enough that they have jettisoned what is essentially another moon that they're trying to get close to Hib. Both the smaller section and the main vessel have attacked any ships that have gotten close. Uh, and at this point, Lynn Camulin speaks up. He says, yeah, even exploratory missions sent by the stewards have been shot down. Mm. Approaching craft oh, are fired upon by a massive fleet of drones that appear out of nowhere and disappear just as quickly. And let me make that clear. These are not ships that are being launched from the vessel. They They quite literally, appear out of nowhere, attack, and then disappear again. Um, Quantum, perhaps. Uh, Simon directs that more towards the 
um, technophiles on the, <laughs> on, the um, on, on the team who might know what he's talking about. As that's that's a good point, Simon. Uh, the what we saw before was that the uh, Civ seemed to have a uh, affinity towards uh, quantum technology, uh, transporting, th teleporting things from one place to another, duplicating things, um, that sort of thing. Uh, we don't know very much about that technology. We've just observed a few examples of it, but uh, it would be in line with what we've seen from them before. The uh, the Sheeran Klendalik uh, um, leans leans forward a little bit as though interested, and Losafar and the elf leans back as though... I mean, he doesn't actually throw his hands up in the air and go, sheesh, what are you going to do? But that's sort of his attitude uh -huh. in, in sort of a, a understated way. Um, the Gevilar snore is still continuing. He's like, now it's not in, he sort of takes the conversation back from Lynn Camille. He's like, it's not entirely true to say that every ship has been shot down. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Uh, there's actually a fleet of Eoxian starships that have been engaging in a protracted hit and run fight against this vessel. Uh, they've, to be honest, they've disobeyed direct orders from our government in order to pull back or, or risk destruction. They've lasted the longest so far, but the consensus is they're probably doomed. The ship seems <laughs> impossible to destroy. The entire system is on edge. Epsom Station's residents are clearly nervous because it's coming right here. Mm -hmm. I, I, take I, it want to, I want to remind you of a, a famous saying uh, attributed to spacefarers of the great long past who said, you know, every, this ship and everything on it was built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 we have a similar cause for hope with Ark Prime. We have reason to believe it was built in a rush and launched before it was ready. And so there may be vulnerabilities to find if we explore it and some, and we may come up with something we can exploit. For that matter, we can't even be sure of its intentions because it may not be operating according to spec. Hmm. Uh, it's also quite ancient. Yeah, that's, uh, that seems to be the issue. The, uh, the seven of them, you get a nod, zero. Um, and it is, uh, let me confirm. It actually, uh, surprisingly, uh, the elf, Losafarin, says, yes, it's actually, it's, it's a good point. It's a good offer. I think if we're able to get uh, enough of our people near it, we might not only be able to get some more information, but maybe be able to provide some much-needed aid to those daring Eoxians that are trying to harry the ship. Perhaps they're not so doomed after all. We have a lot of technology schematics that our, our friend uh, Izu downloaded off of Hib. Perhaps sharing them with the council might provide some insight. These are ones. Idea. These are ones you and this is uh, Zaichoi talking. Uh, these are ones you have copies of. We've been unable to find this Bantrid uh, named Izu. Yes, I sent them to Abdarkor, but I, I'm sure that uh, 
we can provide copies to the council and send. And and Miss Knott's like, oh, I've got those. Those were actually provided to you, uh, the group of you already. And she gives sort of a date and a time, and actually is able to kind of call them up on the their triangular screen. As per my last email. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally with an as per my last email attitude. Uh, um, Koholo wants to make the point that, uh, or just reiterate that things are malfunctioning because it is ancient and it's out of. Um, just... What do you think? The... So, it's, so it's unpredictable. Even with the schematic, it's not. We, nothing can be hmm. entirely relied upon. I think that the uh it is perhaps the and this is the the steward, Lynn Camula, the other uh Lashunta talking in. So I think especially with the risk of malfunction, that makes it even more dangerous, not less, to Absalom station and its people. Mm-hmm. Oh, um that is precisely true, and that would be part of my point. We um, just and, in any plan we make, we need to take into account that there are that nothing will be as predictable as we'd like. When and and our the Kasatha for the first time kind of you know pounds one of his four or for her excuse me pounds one of her four fists on the table and says, "It is this possible malfunction and this danger that is exactly my point. It is a the path takes it on a direct route through." the Adari, not around, not near, through the Adari. Mm. And we have to do something about that. Yes, clearly. Um, Has anyone gotten close enough to to get any kind of a scan? Do we have... Yeah, do we even know if there's any life on board? Any kind of images, any kind of scans, any kind of communications... We've we've had no communications. We've gotten definitely close enough uh, several times in order to get a scan, but we're not able to get any kind of reading on it, other than the rough outline of the ship. Hmm. Our our scans simply can't get through it. Have you tried quantum scanning them? We don't know what that is, <laughs> says, mm-hmm. says uh, uh, Kumara Melacruz, the uh, um, the prime executive, with a little bit of an icy tone in her voice. She says, the fact that we know nothing is exactly the problem that's leading the people here on Absalom Station to panic. And if there is one thing we cannot afford at this time, it's for the people of Absalom Station to be panicking. What we need to be doing is showing that we have clear action and clear direction and clear control over the situation, regardless of the truth or falsity of that, because we can't have the people on this station turn it against each other. All right, and at that point, it get, it becomes clear to you as a sort of you know some people are like yes no but we've got other other options. It's become clear to you there's sort of four different directions that the that the council is considering. They're not exactly sure what to do, but they've got four rough goals in mind uh, that they feel is important to be doing. And these are I shall reveal that it is important to defend the Adari. To make sure that this arc prime doesn't just de- doesn't destroy the generation ship with all the Kasafas on it, mm-hmm. um, that somebody needs to get close enough to rescue the Eoxian fleet, the only ones that are able to harry the thing. Um, they need to take all possible action to 
prepare to defend Absalom Station from space, right, with ships to make sure that they can get uh, Absalom Station as well defended as it can be, but also need to make sure the station itself is secure and that the people aren't in causing complete trouble and disarray with everything. Now that these tasks are clear, the the members who've welcomed you, they they talk in and amongst each other. Um, Rather than listening to the group of you as sort of a a sort of a block, uh, they move into sort of an ongoing discussion where some of them get up and approach some of you. You can talk to them. The way this scene works is as a uh, um, sort of as a a, a role play in influence scene mm. where you're trying to learn a little bit about each of these people, more about their motives, and try to convince them that whatever decision you decide to make as far as how these tasks are either prioritized or um, uh, how the how the tasks are either prioritized or how the res- limited resources available are dedicated to them uh, means it's something that 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 they'll listen to you about. Um, each person has a a couple of skills that you might use to assess them. Mm-hmm. That is to learn about them, and then a couple of skills that you would use to influence them. So the two sort of phases that you have are assessing somebody, and once they are assessed, influencing them. Now, uh, one of the things Cambrisa can help with, and even Miss Not, because they know these people a little bit, is give you a sense of what it would take to, um assess somebody Mm -hmm. almost always that is a culture or sense motive check okay but they can give you you know they can kind of whisper to you a little bit more um information um for example the uh you know andar uh is uh might be able to 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 talk technology pretty quickly with Andar, and the Kasatha is somebody you can assess with either culture or engineering. Ah, okay. Uh, Losafarin uh, mm-hmm. doesn't have much input beyond Castravel. Culture isn't something you can use to assess him, but life sciences is. Okay. And so, um, let me put another... option here okay so underneath each i can give you a quick um note about what they're able to say you would use in order to Try to assess these people. Culture mm-hmm. sense motive is pretty common. Sure. Um, if you have any related, um, related profession, would also work. None of them are lawyers or ah. botanists. <laughs> How'd they become no politicians then? be lawyers. <laughs> yeah, non non lawyer uh, politicians. That's pretty unique. That's correct. Well, profession politician is an entirely different uh, skill. Mm. Are any of them so... Salarians? 
Are any of them Solarians? Uh, no, none of them are Solarians. Darn it. Okay. Would they like to be? <laughs> <laughs> Not now. <laughs> you're, you're recruiting right now? All right. Would mysticism work for any of them? Um, I don't believe so. That is to say, let me let me back up a step. In order to assess sort of what their motives are, what they mm-hmm. really want, and how badly they want it, mysticism doesn't give that for any of them. But there's a second phase. There's the influence phase. And when you find out, maybe, that some of them could be swayed by mysticism or any number of other skills. Uh, Simon's just going to go over the the psychic radio that we have for our group and mm-hmm. note. Um, Esafina's not the only person who can provide divinations. I'm not as skilled at it as she seems to be. So I could only ask one question, but it might help to know precisely what we should be arguing for before we get into it. That would be a terrific idea, because that is, the Hollow yeah. knows she's not smart enough to know which of those four should be prioritized. Yeah, I'm, I imagine we've talked about the at least the ship before, even if we didn't know all the details, and we must have some kind of, possibly split motives ourselves. Mm. Well, uh, can I, it's framed in the in the whole. Okay, we know what their goals are. What part would we, um, kind of how would we see those playing out? And like for Raz, mm-hmm. he's thinking, well, states and security and sort of the the morale of them. If we can show progress in some of the other ones, that may help that along. Yep. yep. That's and, certainly a reasonable argument. Timing as well as you know. I would assume they're going to get to the, the Adari first, where the Octane yeah, fleet is. Yeah, we we probably should try to find out what our time frame is before it gets there. Yeah. Ah, the uh, there are overall the 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 resources that are available are mm-hmm. are twenty fleets of ships. Hmm. Uh, and how the fleets can be used, the fleets can be applied to any task, and the 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 discussion that's going around upon the group makes it clear that some of them want to deploy. They don't want to deploy them evenly. Some of them want greater uh, a greater number of the twenty to one task other than the other. Kumara Melacruz thinks that station security is something you got to have more fleets dispatched to, and that doesn't mean you're going to have actual like ships zooming around in Absalom Station mm-hmm. big security. But the fact that they're making flybys to show that they're present, that their crews are off keeping security, that's what the devoting a fleet to station security is. Okay. Devoting a fleet to defend the Adari isn't so much trying to, you know, basically try to swirl around and, and get an Arc Prime's way. It's more about, okay, well, these are the resources we're going to devote to these ships to maybe help move the Adari out of the way try to make sure mm-hmm. that none of these quantum appearing and disappearing drones are are impacting the Adari's most delicate play, delicate uh, uh, exterior ports and things like that. So they have overall 
20 I'll even freehand this uh, 20 fleets to divide up mm-hmm. they are not likely to be very successful in a second thing if they're devoted to one thing that's a long way long way of putting it um, but to address Scott your point of well maybe if we succeed at the first three it'll bolster the fourth no because any fleet that you put towards the first three is unavailable to help the fourth it's sort of deploy it or not and it's pretty clear to you that as much as they're arguing if you don't kind of figure out what these people want and work to get it together they're not going to be able to necessarily agree in any kind of time mm-hmm. to make a uh, uh, concerted or unified display of the fleet so part of this is also a little bit of hand holding on the pact council to say look what is it you guys want what's going to get you to agree to this versus you to agree to that okay make sense yeah um could i ask uh esafina not um about uh zacho that was the one person i didn't really get a beat on what they were uh what they were there for and about uh, they are a representative of uh, Traxus. Mm-hmm. Oh, Traxus. Okay. Um, the apparently in a whole adventure path I don't know anything about <laughs> uh, that happened before this. Um, the uh, the the former ambassador from Traxus was assassinated in a reptoid conspiracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. As, as though as there were some happen. sort of threefold conspiracy, maybe. Anyway, Ziacho is very new. They're very new to the uh um uh, uh to the pack council. Okay. And for had former training as a battle flower, which is a uh um uh dif- they're a type of warrior. Okay. Okay. All so- right. Donation takes 10 minutes and has a reasonable chance of failure, so I'm just going to start up with bats. Um, So ignoring all the stuff about how you can be as difficult as possible when I cast the spell, uh, (laughs) of the, the the question concerning the you know, event of Arc Prime going through the system. Uh, we're looking for advice on what priority we should set these four tasks at. Okay. Like, which of the... Like oh, that's, who... that's, that's the... Up, that's the... What you're trying to get from the divination is what's yeah, the most it's important like, for us to do. From... Like dumpster fire to uh, incinerating planet. What what would you rank these four uh, <laughs> four crises that we are trying to address right now? And and who are you asking? I'm just curious. Uh, he's asking Abadar. He, he like like if you talk to him about Elarito, he's gonna mutter something about a god that actually is clear on what he wants and what he expects. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got business metrics to track to make sure he gets there, too. Exactly. Look, I've got my, my platinum credit card. 
I've got my contracts. I'm going to sit here in the incense holding the credit card like a magical fulu and chance <laughs> over the contract. Alrighty. That's going to take that's going to take a little bit of time to cast and certainly uh-huh. you can do it right here. In the meantime, let me get everybody else trying to talk to uh to some. Let's see what everybody else wants to do and then I'll conclude the sort of first round of assessments with uh okay. And, and how many uh, with rounds division. are we going to get? Do we know? Or is that... We just kind of uh, have to w- wing it? Uh, you do have to wing it. Okay. Um, well, then I would like to start off talking to Lusafarin mm-hmm. and using my life science skill to kind of get a bead on what he is important to him or them. Okay. So how's a 47 look? 47 looks like a success against the life science. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a success gives you two things. Okay. The first thing that it gives you is a sense of his his motives. It also tells you uh, which of the... Uh, the thing that he's spoken about is what's its relative difficulty. That is to say, some of these things are going to be very hard. Some of these things are going to be easier. Uh-huh. Uh he has spoken about rescuing the Eoxian fleet. Um and I'm going to flag that as a medium difficulty. It's only in relation okay. to the other 3. Um Um Lucifer, I see Stephanie is concerned. No, a 47 is not the difficulty. He, he didn't just barely hit the DC. He had a, <laughs> he exceeded it by a very comfortable margin. Um so it's really my core competency too. Yeah. So <laughs> Losafarin spoke uh-huh. about the uh Eoxian fleet and getting close okay. there in order to try to get some information about the Eoxian uh, the, and get some information about the ship and then maybe sort of, you know, be able to be there to capitalize on helping the Eoxian fleet. Okay. Um no, that's a ruse, you can tell in talking to him. He has oh. no no desire whatsoever to expend resources in aiding the Eoxian fleet. Uh, he believes they acted rashly, and they have to now face the consequences. The reason he suggested okay. maybe darting in real quick is because the Eoxian fleet could be a good distraction while they're getting obliterated, and something some good might come of the fact that they okay. just ignored orders. Um, he makes it clear that he's got no personal qualms against the undead, despite what some might claim. And he kind of gives us an eye over to give uh give a large snore. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, 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 maybe because they're undead, they're better equipped to fight without resting. But uh, uh, anybody that we would send in to rescue them isn't going to be undead, and that's going to be all we could do with the fleets that we send in. Um, if you are, but he's. Apart from the fact that he says he's insisting he's not anti undead, mm-hmm. he is uh, sort of seems to be very well reasoned in his conversations, especially because you can talk to him as sort of a uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, person of science to a person of science. Right. Uh, he's very pragmatic in his uh, in his outlook, um, and. Sure you can tell that anybody who uh, who's weighing the information at hand and acting logically are mm-hmm. more likely to get his support. Okay. So you, you learn that in order to influence him, 
And this, let me get a... Mm, um, I need to delete this. Uh, put another box. Need to on. reveal? <laughs> nope. Because I can replace. To influence him is culture, sense motive, or diplomacy. Okay. When you influence him, you know that you, anybody, any of these people that you influence, they are going to be able to, you'll be able to convince them to uh, back you in spreading the fleet and helping out with that activity. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Uh, let's see. Additional fleet. And what did you say would. would... What skills would influence him? Uh, culture, sense, motive, and diplomacy. Diplomacy, okay. So I put a little I in front of that, in front of him, to let you know that you know what his influences are. Culture, sense, motive, and diplomacy. Those are sort of the ones about being measured and reasonable in your approach. Okay. Um, and let me tell you, because you've assessed the difficulty of rescuing the Eoxian fleet, mm -hmm. um... The uh, you have successfully assessed this situation. You recognize that if the Yoxian fleet could delay Ark Prime, Pact World forces would have more time to mobilize. From that point, the Yoxians might be able to retreat to Absalom Station, further reinforcing the station defense. But an attempt to support the Yoxians puts the Pact World ships in danger alongside the undead fleet. So even though he's really anti that decision. Because he's weighed and measured the the um, the possibilities, he he could be argued into doing it, mm -hmm. um, but he'd rather do something else. Okay. And next, yeah, who wants to go next? I think we should go uh, from right to left along the bottom. So next would be next mark. would be Raz. Okay, and I think you pulled that out because we got some the life science off of some yeah. information provided by. Yep, you got you got and you were able to assess him. Mm -hmm. Right, but you knew to use life science because I think there were some other ones that I didn't catch before that. Ah, I was still busy are... trying to write down everything else. <laughs> oh sure, I put it up underneath the individual pictures for Gavalis Knorr, culture okay, sense go. motive. For Clendiok, culture, sense, motive. For Kumaya Melacruz, culture, sense, motive. Lynn Camulan as a uh, as a steward, engineering, and piloting. Culture, culture, and sense, motive doesn't get through to the very uh, um, uh, tech-oriented, military-oriented guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> culture, or engineering for Andar and ZHO. Culture, or perception for them. Okay, yeah, I didn't notice that you would put them under there. Under where? Under their pictures. <laughs> oh, let me back up one step to you. One thing that you do get when you speak to Losafarin, to go Hold back down. a little bit, you do get a sense of these people's personalities a little bit. I should have led with this. Losafarin, when asked direct questions, he answers with short sentences and a calm, quiet voice, but he speaks mm -hmm. little otherwise. Okay. He believes that when things need to get done, even unpleasant tasks, it's best to do them quickly and efficiently. Despite okay. this mentality, he does take time to listen to other people's concerns and appreciates knowing all the facts before making a decision. Okay. That's actually kind of my, my kind of guy. Yeah, that's why you got along. 
Yeah. All right. So Raz. Raz. At this point, Dr. Ammon's kind of been talking to Losafarin, so we'll leave that up to him. And we have mostly culture, sense, motive. Or perception, engineering, or piloting. Perception, yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, mine's going to be culture or sense motive for most of that. And mainly sense motive, just because I think I've got my... Seems like something you'd be good at. Uh, ish. Okay. I mean, yes. <laughs> um, actually, either one. Because I get my expertise by dice on both of those two. Oh, nice. Which means, uh, let's do some. Let's see, Raz would probably go towards. Um, Make sure you show off your more, wings. More towards. Well, yeah, I can do that. Um, more towards Kumara, um, just because. Well, yeah, no, that's more the, that's the prime executive here. Mm-hmm. Absalom, okay. Um, yeah, why don't I, why don't I just go ahead with that one then, uh, for Absalom. To Kamara? Yep. All righty, she's a... Tan-skinned woman with strong angular features and jet black hair present a striking authoritative figure. Her clothing and jewelry accentuate this image, and other powerful business administrators often consider the prime executive as an inspiration for fashion that conveys professionalism. Hmm. That um, sounds like a Simon one to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon, except Simon's busy putting a spell together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, uh, Simon's busy putting a spell together for this round. Uh, Mela Cruz's bold, forceful demands for progressive solutions and corporate accountability earned her an assassination attempt before the halfway point of her first term. If anything, the incident has made her only more outspoken. She stands yeah. strong in the face of adversity and has little desire to become for a forgettable, mediocre personality to avoid offense. If her opinions outrage certain people, she assumes she's doing something right. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and make a culture or sense motive check. Yeah, I mean, you know, Raz is used to shouting at people and having them be <laughs> there you not go. appreciative of it, but they still get some results, so. Okay. Let me grab. So will it be culture or sense motive? Yes. Uh, they're both exactly the same, I think, for this. Mm. I think he's going to use sort of a, get a sense of how to approach it. Now that is the initial roll. I, I I forgot there's maybe a way to add my other dice, but do you want to add your other dice? Do you decide to add your other dice? Uh, it's just a part of my sense motive. Oh, I see. Um, it's the expertise dice. Okay. So another oh, four. Yeah. forty-two for the ultimate answer. Alrighty. <laughs> well done. So for the first part of this. Um, she is interested, as you might expect, in uh, station security. Yeah, no uh, kidding. No, no surprise there. Uh, and you're able to get a a sense of that. Uh, not only that she is interested in station. I don't know why that won't go up a level. Huh. Anyway, not only is she interested in station security, but you also get a sense why. Um, she considers the defense and well-being of the station to be her responsibility, and wants to make mm -hmm. sure whatever conclusion the director comes to adequately addresses her concerns. Um, 
she knows that moving too many forces off of Absalom Station, especially in the event of a likely civilian panic, should the Ark Prime get too close, mm-hmm. fringe political groups have threatened on social media to storm sensitive government facilities, and they might take advantage of any chaos to foment an uprising. So that's why she wants to keep the forces near and emphasize station security. Because she worries what will happen if you don't devote, if you take fleets away from station security, what might happen. Um, You have successfully assessed the situation. You realize that while a few of the threatening groups are dangerous extremists, most of them are probably all talk and no action. With some official backing, the stewards and other defenders might be able to handle this group. It's very likely to be able to handle this group. So you don't think that that uh, that, that task is going to be a particularly difficult one. Overall, keeping station forces to a reasonable minimum and focusing on riskier yet more rewarding tasks might be the better maneuver, even if it doesn't play well with the citizens of Absalom Station. Hmm. Um. And you also learn that her um, in order to get her on your side is the uh, same checks, actually, as for Los Fern. Her influences, culture, sense, motive, and diplomacy. Alrighty. Rob, who's Zero going to talk to? Gevalarsk Nor. What was the plan? What like what was the plan and what's the end game? What what do they did the Aoxians why the forward deployment and what do they hope to get out of it? Sure, sure, sure. He is a uh um uh he often he of course with his appearance and his skeletal visage and a uh uh the fact he's he's a powerful spellcaster who parlayed his political uh, aspirations on Eox into the seat on the directorate. Um he almost certainly has knowledge and contacts that indicate a less than savory nature. He's very diplomatic in his uh his presentation, his concerns, he's very well reasoned. Um and is is all around more of a politician than a uh, necro necromancer type person. Uh, he is very clear. Rescuing the Eoxian fleet is his key question. So you also get, like with Losafara, that it's of medium difficulty to do that. May mm-hmm. have some advantages. Uh, it would mean pulling people away, but you might be able to get some better information. He is plainly none too pleased with his fellow Eoxians at the moment. <laughs> Because the only reason the Eoxian fleet, the Eoxian fleet harrying the uh, Ark Prime is even an issue is because they violated orders. Mm. Uh, he still has a vested interest in attempting to save the Eoxian fleet from itself. Although his main motives veer suspiciously close to gaining political favors to hold over other Eoxians, he does point out that if the Eoxian ships can be rescued, they don't need to rest. They can immediately aid Absalom Station's defenses, and he insinuates that he can use his authority uh, to make the ship sort of do whatever is best needed. Um, people who demonstrate they can manipulate with others with others with words or see through such manipulations seem to amuse 
Guevara Lesknor, and he he reserves some measure of legitimate respect for those who know advanced knowledge of mystic power. Hmm. So he can be influenced um, by <laughs> uh, diplomacy, sense, motive, or mysticism. Hmm. All right. All righty. Leroy. Well, I, being from Triaxis, I will talk to, uh, uh, you said there was another letter. There's that a Zia, Zia, Zia Cho. There's another I. Zia Cho. Yep. Yeah, Zia Cho. Uh, you know, I had a very close partner who was a, a Riforian in the past, and I've, I've worked closely with him, so... I'll uh, I'll attempt to to chat with uh, Zia Cho there. Yeah, their 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 response when you bring that up is, well, hmm, haven't we all? Uh, no, yeah, I should. Yeah. I don't want to be unkind. We've all suffered losses. Yes. Um. So I will uh, attempt to uh, culture check in my discussion with uh, Zia Zia Cho. Alrighty. Thirty six. Uh, your culture said check is a success. Yay! Oh, hooray! Um. Uh, the Zia Cho is is more than anything a former warrior. I mean, like you. Mm. And as a formal former battle flower, Cho is aware of the importance of defense. They don't think that Absalom Station can be defended adequately without taking some risks to bolster the Armada's forces. Cho is impressed by eloquent arguments, but equally enthused by those who appreciate a physical performance. Um, station defense is what uh, Zia Cho is after. It is, oh, I guess it is also relatively medium, you might say. Mm -hmm. um, and. The Cho has a, a host of influence skills, um, which include diplomacy, sense motive, athletics, um, <laughs> profession dancer, uh, or survival. Oh. Respects people who can stand on their own. All right, Kaholo. So, I would like to talk to the other Lashunta, but okay. I only have a plus 4 in those two skills. In engineering so, and piloting, would you be would you be better off talking to somebody else? Yeah, probably. The the Shirin is left. And the Kasata, is that right? Mm-hmm. The Sheeran, yes. The Kasatha, which culture engineering. Yeah, culture, sense, motive, engineering. You could try influencing uh, the Riforian. Uh, she's oh, that's got true. athletics. You can dig right into trying to influence somebody and figure that somebody else might be able to... Uh... Oh. Would that? That's not a bad would idea. That be okay. Yeah, I my athletic Yeah, it seems like you might get along with this this uh, other 
beefy person. <laughs> yeah. Battle flower. I just like to know yeah. where that comes from. You <laughs> a triaxis. Can I? Can I? Yeah, it's a it's a very respected order of uh, warriors on triaxis. Steph, okay. what is your profession? Do you have a profession? I don't. I don't think so. I do not. I do not. Okay. All right. Alrighty. So if you want to try to influence uh, uh, Zai Cho, then diplomacy, sense motive, athletics, or survival, whichever of those is good for you. Okay. Be above, Reaper. I don't have my character sheet up. No. What what is your athletics bonus? Twenty six. So that's a total of twenty seven. Twenty seven, huh? Twenty seven? Yes, twenty seven. Total total of twenty seven. Oh. Yeah, the uh, Zaicho is is impressed with your athleticism, but not swayed. You have not succeeded that in that sucks. influence check. Can I get a reroll <laughs> somehow? Well, you rolled a one. Yeah, you rolled a natural one. Can I get a reroll somehow? Uh, Unless you know you've got one somehow. I don't know. Can you take Simon and put him outside under the stars, but still within the... Uh... <laughs> no, I don't think you've got one. Stab. All right, moving but on. But I guess you can You could try again with the next round of influence. We're going to end this round of influence with uh, Simon. Okay, first I have to roll to see if this... Abadar's even talking to me. That's correct. And at uh, 70, 76 or higher, Abadar is kind of busy and doesn't take your call at all. Uh, 100. Damn it, Abadar. <laughs> well, there's an answering machine. Kind of a lot going on. You can look over and see that Esafina Knot is on the phone to somebody. Maybe it's Abadar. <laughs> <laughs> but you're... <laughs> Your need call to get promoted. So <laughs> need I'm to get promoted get... so he's more likely to take my facts. <laughs> Alrighty. That ends the uh, the first social round with this group. Uh, mm-hmm. And we will dig into more of these negotiations next time we meet. Okay. Alright. You've been listening to Intrepid Heroes on the No Direction Network. New episodes are posted every other Monday. 